welcome to the Pastured Pig Podcast, where we share the successes and challenges of raising pigs on pasture. We talk to producers all over the country, from small homesteads to large commercial pasture operations. Whether you're new to pastured pigs or have been raising hogs for decades, we hope you hear new ideas and new perspectives on pasturing hogs. Here's your host, Troy McClung. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. It's so good to be back and have another episode for you all. And I want to give an update and kind of explain a little bit why there's been larger gaps here in the past month. Um, I'm going to declare April the month of discontent for me. (laughs) Um, Those of you that maybe follow our YouTube channel may have a little bit of insight into this. And I'm going to be a little bit more transparent than I probably should. Uh, But I've unfortunately been struggling with uh, anxiety, uh, panic attacks, those type of things. In my 49 years of walking this earth, I've never run into this thing. And April was pretty, pretty hard for me. So it's uh, go from days of being totally dysfunctional, curled up in a ball, to feeling fine and doing business as usual. So unfortunately, the podcast has kind of taken a hit from that. Those of you that have uh, are waiting for me to get back to you about getting something scheduled, I apologize. I do want to talk to you and get that on our schedule. Um, but quite honestly, I'm fearful that the day that we have scheduled may be a bad day for me versus a good day. So um, I have been seeing medical help. Uh, There is uh, prescription medication involved now that's starting to regulate this, so I think in the next couple weeks we'll be more stabilized. So as I'm talking right now, it's a semi-good day. So uh, if things sound a little incoherent, it's either the delay of my headphones or the result of prescription medication. (laughs) So, So there, that is totally burying my soul to everyone out in the pastured pig world. But we will press on uh, because I do find joy in doing this. I do find uh, comfort in sharing and and talking with other people. It doesn't stress me out. So I know this isn't an issue for me. It's just a matter of um, honoring those of the, the recordings we've already done and the people that are on schedule. So I just pray for your patience and pray that you bear with me here as we hopefully right this ship over the next couple weeks. But with that being said, updates, uh, obviously not a lot going on here on at Red Toolhouse. In fact, uh, we're a little delayed in gardening and some other things, uh, just because of the nature of the situation. But uh, everything's in green and bloom and, and really rocking here, so uh, it is nice to be able to enjoy this time of year. Uh, the... Uh, One thing that I'm praying that will still continue to go, um, and I feel confident it will, is uh, actually next week, as the point of recording this bumper, we'll be down in Grady, North Carolina, uh, with Chuck Lewis and his team, and be doing the Pastured Pig Workshop on May 22nd. I believe there's actually still a couple slots available, just a handful, uh, if that's something last minute you all want to join. We will be down there, and I am confident that I will be coherent for my presentations. If not, I'll just get up there and make duck noises or something. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) Goodness. So, yeah, if you want to check that out, you can check out Sheridan Park Farms' website, and there'll be details there. 
Uh, of course, the uh, yeah the website and the Patreon still going. Again, I, uh, those of you that have been supporting us, I cannot thank you enough. It's been very very uh, humbling that you still continue to support, and I I want to say with as much confidence as I can right now that your support will be uh, rewarded with additional content and we'll kind of get back into the flow. There's a lot of stuff we have teed up. Just got to be ready to take a swing at it. All right, so let's get into our discussion today. Earlier this uh, spring, this year, I guess you'd say, I interviewed Abigail Lawbacher with Lawbacher Acres in Pennsylvania. And we spent a little time discussing her farm, getting into some of the details of our setup. But really the meat of the conversation after that is discussing this idea of farm finances. And Abigail, she has a USDA background, so she has an interesting perspective on how farmers sometimes get sucked into the trap of taking advantage of uh, low interest rates and and easy accessible loans for equipment and, and those type of things, and just showing that how moving at the speed of cash is from her perspective where we really need to hang out that in the slow food movement in more natural holistic farming that that needs to also carry over into our finances that when we look to scale up or we look to grow fast that we need to be very cautious of diving into that debt circle because that puts so much more weight and requirements on what we have to do so I appreciate her discussion of that and the conversation we had around debt and around farm finances. So let's get right into that and, and we'll get talking with Abigail and I'll wrap up with you guys on the tail end. Well, hello everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. Today I have from Pennsylvania at Lawbacher Acres, Abigail Lawbacher. Welcome, Abigail. Thank you very much. All right. That's actually a little bit of a mouthful when I said it. That's the first time I've said it together, Abigail Lawmucker. <laughs> I have to say, my, my one of my very first sows was just a perfect sow, and her name was Abigail. So um, so you you, ha- you already have a warm spot in my heart as we start. Well, that, that's, that's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So let's uh, let's let's talk about Lawbacher Acres. Give me that forty thousand foot elevation discussion. What, what do you have going on up there in Pennsylvania? Sure. So um, we're in northeastern Pennsylvania, um, about fifteen minutes outside of Williamsport is the closest city. Um, we have pastured pork. It's more um, forested pork. Uh, we have grass-fed only beef. And then here at my house, I have um, some laying chickens. And uh, my house is actually not even half a mile down from the farm. The farm um, is at my father-in-law's, and that's where all of our animals are. And um, the Lawbacher homestead um, has been in the family for, oh, I don't know, I think we would be my, my husband, Miles, would be seventh or eighth generation farmer. Oh, wow. um, yep. So his German ancestors came over on the boat and settled here. And I actually, my German ancestors along the same exact mountain, two miles as the crow flies, settled um, along the same exact mountain. So <laughs> I haven't made it very far. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. That sounds almost West Virginia. We West Virginians don't move around oh, too much either. So. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so... 
All right. So, so if I'm hearing you right, so the, the farm is, is just a cl- uh, not even a full click up the road from where your house is. And that's, yep. that's um, your father-in-law. So, so that's your husband's side of the family there. And mm-hmm. so you said the homestead, is that a separate piece of property from the farm or is that, is that synonymous there? Well, so our house is four acres and then kind of it's a it's a jumble between my father-in-law and um, my husband's grandfather's farmland. The the homestead that has, oh, 40, I would say there's, oh, there's probably 20 acres of pasture, 10 or 15 acres of woods. And then above um, the property, there's a field that's probably 15 acres that would be considered my father-in-law's and then on both sides of that is um my husband's grandfather's property as well which we farm (laughs) so we're all kind of jumbled together yeah this sounds like the law pretty much own the whole ridge it sounds like yeah yeah. kind of (laughs) kind (laughs) of that's one of those yeah we always we always joke here in some of these back haulers in west virginia you can't swing a cat around by the tail without hitting family members (laughs) yep yep that's kind of how it goes all right well um Looks like, I mean, just just looking at your Facebook page, and, and for those listening, I'll provide a link down in the show notes, but looking at your Facebook page, it looks like a gorgeous piece of property. It does look like you and your husband like to spend a lot of time out in the meadow holding hands. <laughs> yeah, those are our engagement photos. Oh, we yeah. uh, we uh, just got married this, this last year, so oh, it was... It was a good time. Um, last year, we, we expanded the pigs. We went from uh, just, you know, raising feeders out only like seven or eight of them at a time to getting breeding stock. And last year, we sold, I think, 25 hogs. Oh, and then we also we also had a, a pig roast for our wedding, so it was very appropriate. <laughs> very good. Yes, yes. Well, that's appropriate that you're out holding hands in the if you just got married recently. So yeah, yeah. Well, it was. Thank you very much. It was a little hairy there trying to you know plan a wedding, and uh, both we both work full time jobs and run the farm on top of that. It was, it was a little bit stressful, but we we made it. <laughs> very good. Very good. Well, that's great. So, uh, looking at this this setup, then with with the beef, with the um, with the pork, and then I think you said your your chickens were kind of kind of more of like a home homestead flock. Um, mm-hmm. how, how how many acres are you managing there? And it sounds like there's a cross between pasture for the for the cattle and and then woodlot for the pigs. Can you explain that a little bit to us? Yeah. So, um, actually, we have we have about ten brood cows, so we run about. 30 head of cattle at a time and um so we have about 20 acres of pasture um like at the homestead portion and then uh we also rent pasture uh a hop skip and a jump away at the neighbors um then that kind of works out for us uh, for the for the cattle side and then uh the pigs we have high tensile fence actually ran back in the woods um there at my father-in-law's as well and um it works out the there's a there's a stream that runs through everything that you know gives the cows access to water, but the um, the woods portion, the pigs are uh, just like fenced off of everything there. Yeah. So there there we have to you know be a little creative and haul water <laughs> and do that type of thing, which can make it a little fun. Right, right, indeed. And of course, being in uh, Pennsylvania, that's uh, that's a classic Appalachian hardwood forest. So I assume there's tons of forest uh, forage and mast available for the pigs at certain times of the year. 
Oh yes, oh yes, definitely. And and it kind of kind of works out. We had um, a little bit of invasive species grass growing back there, and the pigs have seemed to have knocked that out. So um, it's kind of kind of working well for us. What kind of grass was it? it wasn't stilt grass by chance? Was oh, it? It was Japanese something. Yeah, yeah, it may have been stilt grass. That's okay. That yeah. might be it. It's got little pink pink little flowers on it. Yep. Yep, about uh, five million seed heads per stalk. Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. You know that's that's funny. I, I just um, well, I, I did a YouTube video about that earlier this year because uh, everything I'd researched on stilt grass is that uh, there's not a lot of livestock that likes it. Uh, cattle just pretty much avoid it like the plague, is my understanding. Now I don't have beef, but um, finding out that the pigs just adore it. And same situation here. Our our woodlot pigs, uh, there's where there's poke, holes poked in the canopy where grass can grow. The stilt grass just took off like crazy. And then when mm-hmm. I put the the pigs on it, they've they've just they love it. And and even when it goes dormant uh, in the late fall, they still get in there and and tear it up pretty good. So it's it's been a good way to control it. So anywhere there's a pasture that the pigs have access to, I don't have stilt grass issues. But anywhere else, I do. So <laughs> right, right, yeah, no, it de- it definitely is working out in our favor. Yeah, excellent. Well, tell me a little bit about your pigs. So, um, how many head do you run? Um, what does the breeds, and then we can get into some other details as well. Sure. So, I'm kind of all over the place with breeds a little bit. I'm I'm tending to stick to more uh, Burke Duroc crosses. Um, I do have a large black sow that I picked up, so I have I have four sows. Um, and then I have three gilts and, um, my boar is a, he's like three quarters Duroc, a quarter old spot. I'm kind of a lot bigger fan, especially with the cat, with the cows of always doing crosses. Mm-hmm. You just find that, you know, they grow a little bit better and you can, you can get, you know, the best of both worlds with, with some traits there. So, um, I have one Burke sow, one Duroc sow a large black sow and then I got a Heinz 57 mutt named Banana and she is a rock star. She was uh she, I had wait, we started off with three gilts last year and uh Banana was the the best. She had she had 16 um one was one was mommied when it was born and then she had two she had two runs out of it but she was the champion mama and she is just has the biggest personality and my nieces and nephews absolutely love her. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So that works out really well when you have a a very nice friendly pig that (laughs) is awesome. Right. Yeah. To to have the good temperament and to throw those type of litters, that's excellent. And it sounds like you've got some pretty good variety there too. So that, that allows you to to play a little bit with uh, genetics and see how, how confirmation comes out on those litters. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So how many um, how many acres are, are you talking between your cattle and your pigs? And then uh, with the woodlot setup, is do you have a rotational process in place, or is it just key areas during certain times of the year? Yeah, so um, we have a couple acres fenced in um, for the pigs back in the back in the backwoods, and we're kind of playing with numbers to see you know how we can rotate them through each section. You know, it's definitely a a learning process going from you know having seven or eight pigs at a time to last year having 25 <laughs> so we're still we're still you know uh working on the learning process there but um 
the pigs and the cows are actually in like a totally two totally separate fences so they're not really really crossing each other too much yeah yeah okay there but um yeah the the pigs back in the back in the woods definitely seems especially in the in the summer um you know not having the the sun beat down on them is mm-hmm. is definitely uh, more favorable favorable just because you know they can be up and running around and not getting overheated or anything like that so yeah yeah now do you keep do you keep shelters back there or you just allow the wood cover to be sheltered no we have some some shelters back there there's uh we use well there's some big pipes that are that are i don't know half half pipes they were they're probably about oh four feet tall at the at the midpoint and we just kind of move we can um move a couple sections and move them around to to each spot so they always have shelter yeah very good very good all right well um and last year i believe looking at the the pre-screen info you said that uh, you sold 25 hogs last year in, in holes and halves and, and that's kind of where you're staying as far as um products that you offer when it comes to pork Right. So, uh, we're kind of in a little bit of a pickle with, uh, finding some USDA dates along with, you know, everybody else. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have a really great butcher that's uh, about 40 minutes away and, um, they, they are USDA inspected, but they don't have enough hands to have a second day, um, at the moment basically to schedule USDA dates for the pork side of things. They have like a little bit of a, a storefront out front. So they need that, you know, to fill, to fill their own, their own orders basically at this point. But, um, we're, we're working on it. Uh, I'm been in contact with the owners and they know we're definitely interested. I would like to, you know, at some point get into farmer's markets maybe, or at least just be able to sell, you know, single cuts. But, uh, you know, at this, at this point it's, a heck of a lot easier on me that I can find some some people, some customers <laughs> that just want a whole or a half a pig and go from there. And you know, it's it's a little less stressful at the moment. <laughs> yes, yes, that's that's always the thing. Is you look at well, I've got twenty five hogs to sell. That's either twenty five people that buy a whole or fifty people that buy a halves. At versus trying to sell to uh, to a whole bunch of people a bunch of different cuts. Now, is Pennsylvania a state inspected option as well? Do you do you have that option in, in, in that state? No. So on like the poultry side that you can do like a, I don't know, a thousand birds, which it doesn't make any sense to me because, you right. know, it, a thousand and one, you know, it's real, exactly. real crazy. <laughs> yeah. that, 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 but that, that um, one over is going to, going to be make everybody sick. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So we're we're kind of working on that. I actually um, just quit my job with the USDA uh, a couple weeks ago just because I was having some some uh, internal conflicts with the the rules and uh how they can really crush farmers uh oh, yeah. you know so, with all with all the crazy red tape so okay so wait a minute i gotta stop you there so you <laughs> up until up until here recently you were employed by the usda yep i actually worked on the farm service agency side so i was a program technician administrating all of the programs that uh come up in the farm bill 
Okay. So so would it be safe to say that you were at one point part of the problem and now you're part of the solution? <laughs> yeah. I, well, you know, I, I only worked there for a year and a half. I really decided, you know, I was too feral to sit behind a desk for the next 30 years of my life. Right, I'm right. just, I'm not a paperwork pusher. Yeah. I'm just... I'm really just not. So right. I'm glad I, I I'm glad I figured that out early instead of you know everybody has these the, the golden handcuffs as they as they say you know getting ten years into a career and they're like oh well I, you know if I stick it out twenty more years then I got all these federal benefits right. and it just it is it was just not worth it for me so yeah well I'm giving you a hard time about that uh, yeah 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 pretty good sense of humor all that but yeah that so that's <laughs> interesting yeah, maybe maybe you could say you were a spy for the uh, for the uh, could have been could have been <laughs> so so that's interesting um how much do you care to talk about that because I just just a couple of questions you said there were some things that didn't philosophically align with with what you've you've come to know I'll, what you've come to experience. I can I can talk about I can talk about whatever you give, know give me the give me, your, give me your top two if you don't mind what, what were the two top things that really rubbed you the wrong way sure so I really have a problem with the government just giving out money all willy-nilly uh number it's, one it's that's a money. that's a big one <laughs> yeah yeah um and you know sometimes the farmers really really need it and then sometimes it's just people calling in seeing if there's a program that we're just giving out hundreds of dollars type mm -hmm. of a thing sure. and a lot of it's just uh, there's some entitlement there then there's some people you know especially on the dairy farmer side that your heart just you, your heart just breaks for those folks that they just they they can't hardly you know hang on to the farm because they're in debt up to their eyeballs and they're just you know shaking waiting for another program to to come down the pike so you know they can pay their next bill and i, I just some some of that you know where they're they're we've just gotten farmers have gotten so dependent on that and you know i'm just i i've never been uh, a big fan of just handing out money all willy-nilly so so that was the that was the definitely a internal conflict um you know for for some things and then um there was another person in my department when i had a when i had the tough conversation saying you know i'm just i really just don't think i'm cut out for this and i just have you know i have all these issues with you know facilitating these programs <laughs> and doing all this stuff and um, that person shared with me that, you know, they actually came from the meat inspecting side of things. And the reason that they that they switched to the Farm Service Agency is because they, they couldn't stand, you know, the farmer, the rancher getting screwed all of the time. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it just well this was like the lesser of the evils, exactly. but I still it still was just not. It, it it wasn't me, and I I couldn't hang on. I couldn't hang on to that. Yeah, no, I I understand and, and definitely respect both of those situations. So it, it sounds to me like your stint at the USDA has probably given you a unique perspective on what you're trying to do on your own farm. I would assume. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it and you know so, and sometimes it just makes me madder than all get out with you know the crazy red tape and you know trying to get your congressperson to listen and you know there's just so much red tape has been created and our food is 
so, so, so safe in air quotes right. <laughs> that, you know, it's just making, it's just, it's just made it so hard for anybody to try and make a go at this. Yeah. 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 And, and that's where I'd, I'd like to segue our conversation. And, and I know we normally would spend more time talking about your farm and your setup and we can do so, but in our pre-screening, you, you and I had talked about prior to hitting the record button that, that it'd be, it'd be beneficial maybe to talk a little bit about farm development as far as, as growing your farm and that, that temptation to grow quickly with debt, you know, looking at risk, looking at all those type of things. So, so what would, in, in your experience, what you've seen, and of course working with the USDA, how would you approach somebody that's, that's getting started or even maybe they're somewhat established and they're looking to, ups, to scale up rapidly and they're going to embrace this debt model how, how would you how would you deal with that i would tell them to not embrace the debt model <laughs> <laughs> the speed of cash is really the just just having very very low risk tolerance because i'll tell you heck um 2020 we had a crazy crazy drought you know hay was sky high i think we were the one of the only ones around here that got a second cutting of hay mm. uh you know and usually you can get a third sometimes a fourth um things things were really crazy in 2020 and then you know prices of everything our inputs for 2021 were two times you know what they were for 2020 and and looking forward at 2022 you know things are 3x what they were last year so we're talking it's 5x you know from 2020 and you know i'm sure you had some serious issues with covid and getting getting butcher dates and you just you just never know so if you if you go in and you know, you have all this risk, especially, you know, what I, what I've seen with the dairy farmers around here, you know, if something doesn't go your way and the market doesn't go your way, you're hung out to dry. So unless, you know, you have a off farm job and you can come up with that income, I, I just, I would avoid debt like no other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you make so many uh, good points there. And, and, and especially with a global pandemic, who in the world would ever have been able to forecast that? But you see some of these larger uh, commercial grade farms that their margins are so tight. And then we hear the horror stories of the, the Midwest farmers that had to just euthanize so many thousands of pigs because of the, the, the abrupt halt of the processing process. And then, of course, as you mentioned, dairy farmers, where they've the same thing. They've just had to keep dumping and dumping, dumping milk because the, 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 the chain has broken or the bottleneck has gotten so tight that they're producing more product than they can turn. And my goodness, you know, there's nothing more defeating, I can imagine, than looking at a mountain of debt, bills that you have to pay. You've got animals producing exactly the way they need to produce, but you got to take that product and just dump it down the drain because something completely out of your control is keeping that from selling. Right. And, you know, I also look at it the way, you know, as pastured pig raisers, you know, we aren't doing it the conventional way. So, you know, maybe look at your farm and your business plan and also think of it as you need to be unconventional because everybody else run into the bank to get a loan. You know, you're you're like I said, your risk tolerance, you know, it kind of just depends. And especially, you know, the pastured pig thing being more of a, a niche market and that type of thing. A lot of us are, are entrepreneurs and 
a lot of times that mindset we have they have a very very high risk tolerance and and you know along with that they think that they can out earn their you know silly mistakes and mm. eventually that catches up with you yeah 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 definitely well you had mentioned a term speed of cash and i'd like you to unpack that a little bit so i, I like that i i've heard that before but i it, i think it's worth discussing uh, what that really means. So, so how would you define the speed of cash and why that's important? Oh boy, by the speed of cash. Well, if you don't have the money, don't go ahead and spend it. Um, I can tell you with, with our farm, um, you know, the reason that we went from only having seven or eight hogs to then go ahead and getting breeding stock and we put some high tensile fence up for the pigs, you know, because, because we had that cash, um, if we didn't, we would still be only raising, you know, seven or eight pigs. Uh, we like going forward, I would like to raise some pastured poultry and I would also like to do some pastured turkeys. But, you know, if I don't have the, the infrastructure right this second, it's not worth me, you know, going and getting going and getting like five or ten thousand dollar loan to start this project. You just have to slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> That's just always, always been, you know, my mindset around things. And it always, even, even though, you know, you, you can't go ahead and get that real quick. Um, you know, that whatever, whatever you're trying to do, it, it's, it's, it's worth it in the end to just be patient. Like I can tell you, you know, we definitely could use another tractor we're limping one along right now, but you know, there, if the, if the cash isn't there, the cash isn't there. And so we have to, we have to think outside the box when it, when it comes to certain things and, and getting stuff done. And, you know, if that means, you know, we have to rent a piece of equipment or, or do something like that, we'll do that until we have the cash there. Okay. So let me, let me play devil's advocate and I'm with you a hundred percent, but I, I want to, maybe this is my desire to be on the debate team when I was in high school. But. <laughs> So how do you respond to the people that say, and I hear this all the time, but Abigail, cash is cheap right now. With interest rates where they are, cash is so cheap, you need to leverage your credit, you need to, to do that. Because farmers only have so many seasons in their, in their lifespan that they can do things. So how would you rebut that? Oh boy, well, I just feel like, and this, this goes you know on my feelings here, um, the reason that I was able to just all of a sudden go ahead and quit my job abruptly uh, and do the things that I want is because I don't have this debt hanging over my head. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we're really in a type of mindset, especially, you know, I'm 28 years old. There's so many people that, you know, they see something, they want it, they buy it. They'll pay it off later. Well, that just is, that's you not assessing that there's any risk. Like there's, there's not going to be any market disruption. There's not going to be a pandemic. You know, you could all of a sudden lose your job. You could all of a sudden, you know, something can come up because when, you know, you build a house of cards and you want, you know, everything's got to go smoothly for you to be able to afford that payment. Yeah, I can afford that payment this month, next month, the next month. And then all of a sudden, you know, something happens with your health or you know when when murphy comes he comes uh and 
really, really can <laughs> wreak havoc on your life. Yeah. And to me, I, it's just, I, if you, when you take debt off the table and it's not an option, um, you know, life is, life is definitely a heck of a lot better that way. Yes. No, I, I love that. And, and it's one thing that <clears throat> if I could dovetail onto that, so I'm going to step on the other side of the debate here, I'm back on your side. And, and I think this is something that we as, as pastured operators, or, or slow food, whatever you want to call it, this this more natural process where we get away from the CAFO model and, and everything in between, we sometimes want to carry still carry over some of these traditions we see from um, large-scale farming, one of which would be debt, debt for infrastructure. But that debt, as you mentioned, immediately removes the nimbleness and the agility that that we as, as slow food growers can really hang our hat on. Like you said, tomorrow something could happen with the pig industry and say, okay, I got I to gotta back off of raising pigs. We're going to focus heavy on chickens and heavy on beef because of whatever reason. But if you have these huge infrastructure investments in you know, pig buildings and pig process, whatever the case may be, then you, know, you can't be that agile. You can't walk away from it that quickly. And from my business experience that you know, if you're outside of farming, even if things go sideways, well, we had a decrease in sales of a product or, or something here has gone wrong, there's still some sort of tangible value. You, know, you said something about turkeys. You raise turkeys. Well, you know, Fox can take care of your you know, majority of your turkey population pretty quickly one night, and then you have zero product to sell or you have very little product in that situation. So um, I, I, think it's, I think it's good that we, we make sure that we're not carrying some of these old traditions and old practices over into these renewed or newer, which, again, is not really new. It's old coming back to be new, but processes of, of slow food or, or more regenerative agriculture methods. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay, so, yeah, so, wow, there's there's a lot to unpack there. So you're talking about possibly needing a new tractor. So when when that reality meets, so, uh, yeah, I don't want to cut a tractor it is, but let's say it's an old international harvester and you're putting along on it and it's, it's clunking, it's smoking, it's doing whatever it's doing, you know it's limping along. When that thing conks out, how then do you adjust? Is, is there a savings fund that you all been putting together? Say, okay, here's tractor replacement dollars, or is it, okay, we got to just figure out how to do without? How, how, do, you, how do you forecast for that uh, inevitable moment? Well, we always, always, always have an emergency fund, and I am of the scarcity mindset, so our emergency fund, emergency fund has an emergency fund for <laughs> that. Um, you know, in December, we were hauling a grain bin out um, to closer to Erie to um, my husband's uh, cousin's farm. And on the way back, we we're two and a half hours from home and our farm truck totally died engine locked up we were on the side of the road and you know i'm really really glad um there was a cute little jersey bull calf that was just born and i was real close to taking him home and i'm glad i didn't because we were on the side of 80 for you know a couple hours and it was 20 degrees you know um thankfully uh since the trailer was empty that we were hauling home um my husband's other cousin was uh, only about 45 minutes away, and uh, he came and picked us up, and we ramped our truck onto the trailer, and uh, he hauled us home, thankfully, but, you know, we, we did have to bite the bullet and buy a new farm truck, and, you know, the cost of vehicles right now are absolutely astronomical, exactly. and it's a terrible time to buy a vehicle, but, you know, it's it's something that 
we we have saved for and you know when when things when things like that happen um like i said we always have an emergency fund we never ever go down to zero and you know there's actually a really big uh farm auction that happens twice a year about 20 minutes away from us and um they have three fields and we always joke uh it it starts about eight o'clock in the morning and it runs until they get to that third field and that third field sometimes doesn't start until 10 o'clock at night and it's always a joke between my husband and i that we can't afford anything until they get over in that third field (laughs) nobody's there anymore (laughs) but um you know that's and 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 you know when we get stuff we usually my husband's pretty pretty picky on some stuff and uh he's you know really great mechanically inclined so he does usually find the deals and and stuff like that so that that helps that we we work as a team in that aspect you know and and that's that's so important there and 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 maybe we'll drill down a little bit on that and and this is usually stuff that we talk about at the beginning but you and your husband so you you admitted your age there i assume he's somewhere close to you i'm just making that assumption um so how important is it do you think to to have some of the experiences you all have the fact that he's mechanically inclined that 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 you've had some farm experience those type of things you know is is it is it okay for somebody just to come straight out of the city and and come out to the country and try to do what you all are doing or or what would you advise for that well you know i actually really don't have that much farm experience um even though, you know, I grew up in the sticks and, you know, I, you know, grew up hunting and fishing and that type of stuff. We didn't have any livestock um, on, you know, my side of the family. It's it would be like my great grandparents that were farmers. <laughs> so um, I'm I'm kind of I was kind of removed from that. And I was in ag class in high school. And, um, you know, that's that's what really got me interested in that type of stuff and I actually went to, went to Penn State and got an ag degree and you know I was kind of sold that lie of you know go to college <laughs> get a degree you'll make lots of money that right. type of thing but yeah. you know I didn't I was on my own in college I didn't really have you know help from mom and dad so I was waitressing um two jobs in college so like I didn't get to do a whole lot of the the clubs or you know actually work in any of the barns so like I did classwork and didn't get a whole lot of experience and you know that was that was kind of silly but you know what actually going through all that and I had to take a year off between junior and senior year to pay down my debt Mm. and then I had a goal of graduating college and becoming debt-free within a year which I met So, um, you know, waitressing and and doing all of that, I learned I got a free degree in communications because you you deal with difficult people, you know, when you (laughs) when you bring them food or you're serving them a beverage. Sometimes, you know, you get into different situations and, you know, you, you really have to you really have to work with the customer and, you know, really connect with people. So, you know, I kind of got a free degree in that in that respect. And, um, you know, then, then coming back, back to Mentorsville, um, where I'm from, I actually, I knew my husband growing up, uh, probably since I was 13 or 14. Um, so he had, you know, his, his, he, he's based here and his family has always had livestock. So I got my first 
bottle calf in 2017 and that was kind of like my project and I had some chickens and you know I was like oh this is gonna be this is gonna be great I um I had gone to Penn State uh I kind of really just wanted to since ag in high school really got me inspired what I wanted to do was um basically have a community garden and maybe use that food within the school system so you know teach kids how to grow their own food and where it comes from and integrate that into you know the cafeteria that type of thing but you know i kind of figured out there's a lot of red tape around that <laughs> and it got it got a little a little uh crazy so i, I kind of backed that off and you know i have a i have a big garden here but a, a lot of it is just kind of learning as you go and you know i'm really glad that my husband has that background and you know he's been doing this forever but you know i had i had a lot of different things that i had to learn and you know i i think i i, I digest everything like i listen to the podcast i listen to ten thousand other podcasts i'm always reading some book i'm mm -hmm. looking in this and like i think you just have to constantly have to constantly learn sitting back on your heels and you know just thinking that it's it's gonna happen it's i don't i just don't think that's <laughs> that's the way i work and i wouldn't encourage anyone to do that i would just you know immerse yourself and you know start with one thing and slowly integrate other things you know we didn't we didn't always have pigs my my husband had pigs you know growing up but um before when we were dating and everything we just had you know, I think we, when I came into the picture, he only had six or seven cows and we've just, you know, so I'm the, a little bit of a livestock collector. So yeah. I uh, <laughs> have built things up and, you know, we're, we're just kind of one, one step at a time. And like I said, you know, eventually I want to do some pastured poultry and some turkeys for Thanksgiving and, and that type of thing. But definitely just start one thing at a time <laughs> and, and go from there because, I feel like if you try and diversify and get into into too many categories too quickly, you can easily get overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There are definitely some truth bombs being dropped today on the Pastured Pig podcast, that's for certain. <laughs> so I, I really appreciate that. And I, I don't want to get off track too much, but you, you've said quite a few things there that just really resonate with me. And A, I, I tip my hat to you as someone who is much, much older than you. I tip my hat to you to say, God bless you for for doing what you did and taking it on and and kind of going against the norm because i think you hit the nail on the head there's so many people that because i have a 20 year old and i'm dealing with this right now um we have to explain that debt even for education is not your friend and it's going to limit you and stifle you and yes we've all been sold a bill of goods that that's not necessarily accurate anymore that you come out with a four-year degree in business you're going to have a great job yeah that there's so many people that have a four-year degree in business now that doesn't really mean anything or whatever that degree's in. But this idea of uh, I, I, the, the knowledge you gained, not only going through your classes and your college degree, but the knowledge you gained in, you didn't just sign a piece of paper that says, yeah, at some point I'll pay all this money back. Now let me go to class and let me go to join the sorority or join the fraternity or play sports or whatever. But you worked your butt off to pay for it. You even had to take a break to come back to pay some of that debt down before you could finish. And the respect level that you've you've gained for that work ethic and that process is is way more than you could ever get in a textbook or ever pay you know, you know, a master's degree for. 
So I, I think that's key. And, and the reason why I, 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 I hang on that is just thinking of our audience and thinking of, of people that still are, 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 well, you know, you need to go do this. If, if you've got kids, teenagers that are thinking they want to do something more agrarian, you're like, well, you still need to go to college. You need to get a degree. You need to do all that kind of stuff. That may be a good fallback. But man, don't saddle them with debt. Don't don't let them come out and say, I've got eighty, hundred, two hundred thousand dollars worth of debt and, and I still want to go do something agrarian based because it's just not gonna work. Yeah, yeah, abs absolutely. I, I mean, I think letting your kids get out there into the deep end and see if they can swim, um, well, yeah, that was totally beneficial for me. Yeah. Um, you know, you gain so much confidence in yourself when you do that. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, I, I mean, I've always been one of those people that somebody can tell me something, but I got to learn my own way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I got to hit my head a few times against it to figure out, oh, that's not moving. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little hard headed in, in those aspects, but yeah, definitely. I mean, I would have been. So I, and it's not that I, you know, regret going and getting a degree and that type of thing, because, you know, having that struggle in my life is the reason where I, why I'm here, where I am right now. But, um, you know, if, if I could do it over again, I definitely would have done it a little differently. That's, <laughs> that's a hundred percent for sure. And just getting, like I said, that real, real world experience, it, it, it totally, 100% helps me out. Like I said, the whole, the whole waitressing thing and, you know, talking to people that, that has transferred into being able to sell holes and halves for, you know, the beef and the hogs right. and stuff like that. I can communicate with people. I can relate to them. You know, it's, I, I always, you know, take take the fear away because when people are, you know, oh, I've never done this before. What am I doing with a half a pig? Okay, well, do you have 15 minutes? Because I'll give you a call and I'll walk you through the cut sheet. And if you have any questions at all, please do not hesitate to ask. If you want me to just call your order in for you at the butcher, I can do that too. You know what I mean? Like right. I will make it as easy as possible for you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I agree 100% that the wisdom that comes from the experience makes you relatable. And, and so many people say, well, I, I got into farming and I want to have a farm business because I really don't, I can't relate to people and I relate to animals better. That's great, but you're still going to have to relate to people to some degree uh, unless you hire somebody to do that for you, uh, even if you're just uh, the hermit living on the farm, but you still got to turn an income from it. Right. And, you know, that's part of the reason that my, my husband and I get along so well is that he wants to put his head down and do the farming and I will sell the stuff. There you go. Right. He is not, he, he is, you know, he would rather just you take care of it, yep. <laughs> which is fine. Cause yep. I, that's the, that's the type of stuff that I enjoy. Yep. He's the rigor. You're the trigger. I like it. Yep. <laughs> absolutely. All right. Well, I want to, I want to make sure we save some time because uh, I, I do want to talk about some things here. Uh, but if you guys could listen to what we talk about before we actually press the record button, you'd understand this better. But I, I usually like to bring up people's social media and look at some things here. So I, it just, just gives me some fodder for questions and discussions. So when I mentioned that to Abigail, that I was going to bring up her Facebook page to, to just kind of have it here on my screen as we're talking. She's like, well, you're going to see some funny farm stories possibly. And I really wasn't sure what that meant until I actually started going through here. So I got to ask you, Abigail, about a picture that I've stumbled across on your social media. And unfortunately, since it's a podcast, I'm going to have to describe it. But um, I'm assuming this is you. Obviously, I haven't seen you in person, but I'm assuming this is you standing in uh, some 
what used to be green overalls. Um, you are covered <laughs> head to toe in mud. Uh, you have this cat that ate the canary grin on your face, but in your left hand, you're holding two hypodermic needles. So I need you to unpack that story there. there the, I think there's a story to be told with that picture, is there? Sure, absolutely. So um, we learned the hard way uh, not to let the uh, wiener pigs get too big before you give them their shots. Um, <laughs> you know, that was kind of one of those things where uh, we had our, our Burke had her litter first, and then a month later, our Duroc had a, her litter, and then Banana had her litter a whole month later. So we kind of got a little lazy with the piglets, and of course, banana had you know 15 live ones mm. so <laughs> we we had uh, quite the experience i feel like they were oh 85 pounds maybe <laughs> um <laughs> when we finally uh vaccinated and wormed them and that was that was quite the experience um my husband had to catch them i had to jump on them and <laughs> give them their shots and then we had to lift them out of the uh the pen that they were in uh because they were being electric fence trained so we had we we did that 15 times over and um it was uh it was quite the experience <laughs> that's right. for sure right I, I just i just can't help but look at that and chuckling and and you know, you can't smell a picture, but when I look at that and say, okay, is that good old Pennsylvania rare earth mud, or is that somewhat of Pennsylvania rare earth mud and a lot of pig excrement? <laughs> it was, it was, there was definitely a mixture, <laughs> definitely yeah. a mixture. Yeah. I'll never forget my, uh, my 20 year old who at the time was probably 12 walking through the pig lot in the middle of winter and he was, his, his muck boots were sinking up past the top of the boots. It was actually sucking mud into his shoes. And he just was freaking out because he couldn't move. He's like, Dad, Dad, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, my boots are filling with mud. And I said, well, I'm impressed, first of all, that you think that's mud. Because <laughs> there wasn't much mud left in that. <laughs> Oh yes, it's yeah. a good time. Sometimes we're gonna we're gonna be getting into mud season here. Yes. Very yeah. soon. It looks like we've got uh, well, we've got a little bit of ice still on the ground, but I think tomorrow it's gonna be 57 and rainy. So. Yeah. Yep. We're, we'll we're, be running full speed ahead, right? <laughs> mud season. Exactly. Here. We're gonna hit the same thing. And and for those of you wondering, uh, just if you're gonna go through her Facebook page and look for that picture, there is actually a picture right in front of that of her husband. But he is actually somewhat cleaner than you are. So somehow he managed to to stay cleaner than than you in that process. I assume that's the well. Same. He was he was grabbing the pigs by their back legs, and yeah. I was the one having to. Uh, to hoss them a little, a little okay, bit and, yeah. and give them their shots. So yeah, <laughs> that was, I, and you know, I am just, I'm a messy person. Everything <laughs> I do is messy. So that's just, that's just the day in the life of Abigail. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I really appreciate that. And, and, and there's so many, the people that we've had on that, that, that have these social media presence, whether Instagram or Facebook or YouTube channel, whatever. I really appreciate that when, when people show the ups and downs of farming, because uh, just with anything, and we hear about this all the time when it comes to social media, you're just seeing the highlights of somebody's life. But even when it comes to farming, if you've just got these clean pigs dancing around on this, this wide open green pasture, people are like, oh, that's what I want to do. I want to raise pigs. That's that's what it's all about. And it's so easy or it's it looks so peaceful and so joyful and all that. You know, there's there's those pictures. And of course, then there's the other pictures that 
that you have to do to be able to get to where you are, where the pig is having fun on the green pasture. So, so I appreciate people that share that and, and, and can, can have a little bit of self-deprecating humor that goes along with it and laugh in that process. Absolutely. And, you know, I feel like that being that open and honest definitely helps relate to your customers and your customers trust you more. Yeah. You know, it, it goes hand in hand for yeah. sure. I agree. Yeah, it's yeah, you know, it's one of those things. You and that's such a great point. You're you're not only selling a good product. Uh, you know, hopefully that's what you're selling at the bare minimum. But you're also selling an experience, and you're selling a bit of your personality to people. It's 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 yeah. You know, this is what I've got invested in my time, the product I produce. But people know they're supporting something they um, not only enjoy the product itself, but they're supporting a lifestyle that they can they can watch vicariously through social media now and say, wow, it's that's hard work or that's really neat work or that's a beautiful shot or that's that looks like a really cold day and, and they can appreciate more. It's like, man, this bacon tastes so good and I appreciate more because I see how Abigail busts her butt on a regular basis to produce it. So I think it has a lot of weight to it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, all right. Well, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna top more of your time. I uh, we're gonna get close to wrapping up here. I, I looked at my clock and realized that yeah, goodness, we're already 45 minutes into this conversation. But is what it is when you're having good conversation. But let me ask you this: Let's talk about long-term goals or future goals uh, for your farm. Where do you see? Uh, we, obviously, we know there's a new tractor in your future there somewhere. It sounds like, but in the next five years. What uh, what does Lawbacher Acres have uh, have on tap? What, what, how do you forecast that? Sure. So, um, you know, I think hopefully in the next five years we'll be moving over to where the our animals are, but <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Our our house right now, where we're living, uh, we're still in the middle of construction, and that's a whole speed of cash journey as well. But you know, as soon as we move over there that house isn't finished either so, so that'll be a whole new a whole new project um but i think we're going to probably uh get some more high tensile fence um expand the, the pigs a little bit more i'm kind of maxed down on pasture for the cows um especially since we already you know rent the neighbors and that type of thing but um like i said i I'm, i would like to do some pastured poultry and um get in on the chickens and the turkey side of things but i think you know eventually maybe get into some farmers markets if i can secure those dates and you know get into the politics of that that can be a little a little hairy in in our uh region (laughs) but yeah um but you know i i think we're we're just gonna take one day at a time and um kind of see where that gets us i i think with the pigs like i said i have i have um seven seven girls right now so i i would like to go from 25 from last year to maybe 35 pigs this year and then um sell piglets and you know i have not advertised at all that we'll be having extra piglets or anything like that and i have a wait list a very good size wait list of people contacting me for piglets so i might i might go that route um i definitely love love all the litters and doing that type of thing so i think we, we could make some money at that as well yes very good good deal Okay, well, I have to ask you the question. Ask everyone, Abigail. So, if you've listened to the podcast, it should be no shock to you. But what is your favorite part? What do you like the most about raising pigs on pasture? 
Sure. Um, so definitely just seeing those pigs live their best lives. Um, we have in the, in the one section, um, it used to be where we had our, uh, bale feeder for the cows over winter. So, um, that was a couple of years ago, but there's a nice thick section of mud there. And on a hot day, my girls just like to go out and they will be so deep in the mud, just <laughs> living their best life with the smiles on their face. And all you can see is just their head sticking out of that mud. Yeah. And that just, that brings me so much joy. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I appreciate that. Well, if somebody wants to find out more about your farms, I know we'd mentioned the Facebook page, but is there any other social media presence you have out there? Yep. So we have the Facebook page. Um, I just started an Instagram a couple months ago. It's a little, little behind on the ball there. And then um, my brother-in-law is working on building us a website. So cool. that'll be in the in the near future. Very good. Very good. Well, Abigail, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast. I, I pray that the mud not be too deep, and I pray that your tractor uh, holds out as long as possible. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> okay. Well, it was a pleasure talking with you. You have a great day. All right. Well, I really appreciate Abigail coming on the podcast and appreciate her insight. Appreciate her. Let me make a couple jokes at her expense. Uh, she's got a great sense of humor. All right. Well, I... Um, I do want to continue to encourage content suggestions, guest suggestions. By all means, use the website form to reach out to me and uh, let me know what you would like to hear or if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast. Uh, if you have any other questions or suggestions, uh, actually, if you want to be a guest host, I've never thought about that before, but uh, it'd, be, it'd be nice to have um, a backup in a situation. So if... Uh, there's a time where Troy's curled up in a ball and can't function, that if somebody else wanted to be a guest host, uh, then I'd be more than happy to entertain that as well. I don't want to be a single source, the only voice crying in the wilderness of Pastured Pig. So just reach out to me and share with me any ideas, any sites you may have, and uh, we will keep this rolling. Well, I pray everyone have a great week, and as the approaching holiday, Memorial Day holiday as we have, that you can have a safe and enjoyable holiday. Take care. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. To learn more about our podcast or to submit topics or recommend guests for future episodes, visit redtoolhouse.com.